Hello, this is Anita Westlake. Welcome to Choosing the Balanced Life with Diabetes. Today I'd like to talk a little bit about defining success on whatever terms work for you. I have a great guy who would like to share with us today, Howie Matchmaker. Howie has had diabetes, type 1, insulin dependent for over 40 years. Diagnosed at the age of 5, Howie is a father of 2 and he's an electrician by trade. Hi, Howie. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Great. So, thank you very much for sharing your story of 40 plus years living with diabetes, diagnosed at five years old, and at a time when our tools in managing diabetes were very, very different, using glass syringes and test tubes, pills, and an eyedropper in our urine to test blood sugar levels and the diets being much more strict and um, confining than what they are now. So at the age of five being diagnosed, what do you remember about that and your, let's say, your management of diabetes for the first few years? Well, I remember the first time I was, when I was diagnosed at five years old, I do remember it was Christmas Day and I got a Christmas present from Santa Claus and it was a needle in my butt at five years old. That's what I remember. Oh, yay. When I was diagnosed, when I was diagnosed as a diabetic. Wow. And what, um, were you in the hospital? Like, were you ill and your parents took you to an emergency or something? Or how did that come about? I, I was sick. I, I, I wasn't well. My mother had taken me to the hospital, and it was... At the hospital at the time, that's when I was diagnosed as type 1 diabetes. So did you stay for any length of time? Did they diagnose you and basically send you home? or? No, I, I was in there for approximately three weeks, from what I recall, when wow. I was five. So I, I spent three weeks in, at the hospital. That must have been scary and tough. It was at first. I, I recall at five years old, I mean, I cried myself to sleep every night in the hospital. I was alone, you know, um, no family there. And it was a lonely time. So now you're out of the hospital after three weeks and you go home and life must have been very different from when you weren't in the hospital. Yeah, it was, uh, again, from what I remember, quite different um, watching my mother measure my food on a scale of everything that I ate and not having a really good concept of why she was doing that. And of course, later on, as I got older, I, I understood the reasoning behind weighing the food back in the day on a scale um, as far as all the protein and the carbohydrates and the fruits and the fats you were able to eat at the time. And and it, it, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. I, I, I didn't. I, I went through a stage where, you know, because I, I was always hungry. I was always hungry. I thought the food I was getting wasn't enough when I was young, um, and of course that's from my doctor, endocrinologist, putting me on a, a, a calorie per day per meal, and it, at the time it just wasn't enough. And I, I, I would. I would cheat a lot. I would, I would go into the fridge and I would 
sneak an apple or a pear or anything I can get my hands on when I was younger. Now, that's interesting that you say that, especially the word cheat. Now, in coaching other diabetics, I hear that often, cheat, or I'm a bad diabetic. But really, if you're not getting enough food, you're not getting enough food. So, you know, nobody suggested that you up your calorie intake. And again, this is a balancing act, right? So take more insulin if you need it, or exercise a little bit more and keep everything in balance. It sounded in those days, it was forced rather than what works for you. Well, that's just it. I mean... As you know, quite, you know, things have changed over the years. And we're going back, you know, 40 odd years ago, um, when it was so different back then, where today it, everything can be accounted for. Where back then it, it, it was all new. It was pretty well new to society, diabetes, and it, it, was, it was all in a learning process. So. Um, I, I can understand how difficult it must have been to my parents at the time, you know, because they had to learn as well. They had to learn to take care of me. So did you find that... You know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it, it's, we, we've come a long way in that period of time to the better. Well, I would say... Better, better control. I would definitely say that. We we have uh, far better tools to work with and far more knowledge when it comes to food than in the past. And choices. You know, um, going out is a challenge when you're a diabetic, especially when we were teenagers. So going to the movies. Did you, you know, have your popcorn? Did you have a pop or a water? Or, you know, uh, what was that like with your friends when you'd go somewhere? It was difficult then um, because I had it in my mind if I ate something I wasn't supposed to, I was going to get sick. And sick in a way where I would throw up, my sugars would be so high, or I would. I think the number one thing when I was younger, I think it was more I was afraid of getting in trouble. Not so much how my body was going to react, but just I would get in trouble by my parents, my doctor, whoever was around. And so what would happen? What would happen when you got in trouble? Would they yell at you, criticize you? What do you mean by you would get in trouble? Well, the more of, you know, I should know better. I should know this. You know, you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that and, and so on and so on. Basically, judgment. Well, judgment, yes, but at the same time, too. I mean, you know, you're you're a kid. I mean, you you want to you want to be part of your your surroundings with your friends, and you you don't want to be the oddball character out. You don't want to be the weirdo of the pack. Or, I mean, there's there was times where I would go over to a friend's house after school, and of course, you know, with with the snacks out on the table, and I'm sitting there, well. You know, can I just have an apple? Because that's all I can eat. You know, I'm a diabetic, and I can't eat, you know, any any donuts or anything like that. Um, and it was it was difficult at the time. I, and I remember there was times too where I would be in school, and other kids would look at me, and you know, then they'd be call me diabetes boy, diabetes boy, and 
it, it was, it, I went through some difficult times. So what did that do in the course of your management and really kind of, you know, getting to know your own body and how it would react? Well, I think at the time, I knew when my blood sugars were high. I hated, I hated feeling when my blood sugars were high. I, I just felt sick. I, I didn't feel right. My body didn't feel right. And I just came to terms with myself that in order for me to not feel like that, I need to do what is expected of me to control my, my blood sugars. And that is, of course, you know, eat properly and proper dosage of insulin. And What about exercise? Too. I did a lot of exercises. Um, I, I played competitive sports when I was a kid and a teenager. Um, so I learned a lot then. If I was doing all this extra exercise and stuff, I, I knew my blood sugar would drop, but I would treat it beforehand. You know, I would drink juice or some sort of sugar before I went out and engaged in the physical activities so my blood sugar would not drop in the middle of it. And that worked for me. That sounds great. Like, I'm glad you're sharing that about the sugar and being prepared. But I got to tell you, I go to the gym often. So not to brag or anything, but I'm there about five to six times a week, which is, is pretty often, right? Um, with a busy lifestyle. And I have to really be careful with my sugars and my workout. And when I time my insulin, and I'm almost to the point now where I would let my sugar go slightly higher, just slightly. I'm not saying high because then I can't work out, then I'm too tired to work out. Um, but just slightly higher so I don't have a low in the middle of my workout. Because afterwards, and it's probably about 45 minutes afterwards, I notice that my sugars drop from what they were. And so to kind of keep myself on a balance, that's something that I find effective for me. But for you, if you're out there playing competitive sports, so like what did you do? Test your sugar beforehand? And did you have, did you know your body? And that's where I'm getting, coming from. Did you know your body well enough that you, there was a threshold that you knew, okay, I'm going out, whether it's hockey or football or soccer, whatever you're playing, that my sugar's at this level right now. And I'm going to go out there and participate in this sports. So I'm probably going to need roughly about this much sugar prior to doing this. Or, like, how did you kind of get that on a good balance? Let's put it that way. Well, again, and this is something that I wasn't very keen on testing when I was younger. Um, I would just kind of just kind of how, judge of how, how I felt, how my body felt. And, of course, we both know that that's the worst thing you can do. You, you can't assume how your body's feeling or what you think your sugar is because you can be way off. Um, and, again, there's the times where I, I, have felt, I have felt very fine. My body's felt fine, and I've tested my sugar, and I've been really high. And I guess because my body got accustomed to always being high, I didn't know what it was like, where my blood sugars would be on, a, where they should be. 
um, because I was so used to my blood sugars being high all the time, where over the years, I've kind of, I've corrected that where, you know, I, I do reckon, recognize my low blood sugars. I recognize my body, my actions when my sugars are high. Um, and I don't assume anymore. If I'm in doubt, I'll take my glucometer and I'll test my sugar. I can, I can totally relate to that because there was a time when I was not testing, and this is way back, um, and I would say it was coming out of the test tube period where we use test tubes and urine and pills to test, which, let's face it, was not a lot of fun. You were like a little mad scientist in the bathroom. And um, when the meters came out, they weren't as great as they are now, very expensive, and they were quite large. And I can remember feeling like I was having a low. And family was with me at the time. And rather than giving me sugar right away, it was my, actually it was my dad. He said, let's just test your sugar. Because you haven't been testing very well, of course. You know, there was some judgment there. Um, let's see where you're at. And same thing as you. I was high. My sugars were actually high. But my body was telling me they were low. And I guess they had been running high for a period of time. And that drop, even though it wasn't a drop that was a great blood sugar, it reacted like a low to me. So I could totally relate to that. But doesn't that show you the power of testing? Well, it can be an inconvenience at times, but, you know, we we all have a choice, right? We, we have a choice. Either, you know, you, you want to live a long, healthy life. Uh, you, you, do, you do what you need to do. Um, and if that in- includes testing your blood sugar, then I suggest you do it. Um, I've looked over the years. I-, I-, I don't mess around with that anymore. So, like, I- I'm never, if I'm ever in doubt, I always have my-, my tester with me. So it takes, what, 10 seconds to do? And, I mean, I-, I don't care if I'm in a restaurant. I don't care if I'm on a plane, a train, a car. I don't care who's around. I'll pull it out, and I will test my sugar. I... I don't care what anybody thinks, but then again, nowadays, you know, it's no big deal for people that I that I noticed lately. It's like, oh, it's just testing his blood sugar. No big deal. Um, not like back in the day, you'd be so paranoid to pull a needle out of your pocket and stick yourself in the arm shooting insulin up. <laughs> as to now, where I, I and again, I, I have I I have a mindset where. It doesn't matter where I am. I, I, I don't let it embarrass me. If I need to do it, it doesn't matter who's around, where I am, I'm going to do what I need to do. And that's either testing my sugar or taking an, an, an injection. Well, see, that's awesome, right? I mean, that is awesome. And I, I had to have a little chuckle at the comment of shooting up your insulin. Because, um, you know, it, times were different, uh, let's say, 20 years ago, uh, even more 30 years ago. And, um, you know, it was a big deal. Like, people wouldn't know what you were doing. I can remember being at a fast food restaurant, and in, it was very common, as they told us, to give injections in the arms and the legs. And I was giving myself an injection, and at this point I was using a disposable needle, in the bathroom, and someone had come in, and I was at the sink because I had to prop my arm up. And you're giving it in the back of the arm. I guess the woman was taken back and she had left. And I thought, oh, geez, I kind of felt bad for her. I was about 15. I thought, oh, a little embarrassing. 
And so I'm leaving the bathroom and the assistant manager came to me and grabbed me by the arm and said they'd called the police. And I looked at her and of course there was a group of friends who were looking at me and I said, called the police and my friends were like, oh, what has she done? What has she done? She said, well, you know, you're taking drugs in our washroom. Now, of course, you know, it was very embarrassing. I had to go through the story that I'm a diabetic and I had to take, you know, an injection and it was in the back of the arm and very, very embarrassing. And I can remember thinking after all my friends were there and they'd say, hey, Anita, we're going to call the police. And, you know, those times were more difficult in managing freely, put it that way. For sure. I recall there was a time when I... I Got a, I, I was at the airport, and I had my briefcase. I had insulin and my syringes. And when I was going through customs, U.S. Customs, they had pulled me into the room because, of course, you know, they saw syringes and vials. Or, you know, they had no idea what was in the vials. And I got I got stood up there for about an hour and a half, almost missed my flight on the fact that trying to explain to them I was a diabetic um, because, you know, some individual... Didn't know, did, did not know about it. However, there was other people there, other customs officers that, you know, finally came over and told this individual about diabetes, but not everybody knew. Um, it was it was embarrassing for me at that time. Where now, I mean, you know, you go through customs at an airport and you just have your bag of medical supplies and. You just tell them right off the bat, you know, you're diabetic and you have your insulin supplies in the bag, and you're 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 right through. You're through customs, no problem. But I do recall that one time I got pulled into a room for about two hours because of it. And it is so very embarrassing, you know, having to explain and go over everything. And I think you get to the point where you think, geez, you know, it's a health condition. Can you just kind of back off? I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong. And it really, like you said, could be embarrassing and it could stop you from doing things you need to do in management or sharing with people that you may, you may have to or should be sharing that you're a diabetic with. So what was it like, yeah, like dating as a teenager? Did you tell the girls that you were dating as you got older? As I got older, yes. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've always let the other person know that I'm a diabetic. Always. Right off the bat? Right, right off the bat. And have you ever got any kind of a, a negative reaction? Yeah, there was once I got a negative reaction. There was in a situation where, you know, I was driving and my blood sugar started to drop and I pulled over and treated it. And um, the person I was with couldn't deal with that. Could not deal the fact that I was diabetic, that this, that this had happened. Wow, wow! And that was the and that was the end of that relationship. Really? And how long have you been? Had you been seeing this person for? Oh, I would say about four months. So that must have been devastating to some degree to you that um, someone would just end a relationship. Because you have diabetes. Oh, I did. I, I, I was devastated. I, you know, I, I, I did the old blame myself. Like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to be a diabetic. Um, 
I went through the why me, why me. And yeah, it, it, it hit me hard. That that hit me hard. Now, putting this into some kind of perspective, was this very long ago? Is this during the times when there's far more education and knowledge about di- diabetes overall? Or was this quite a number of years ago where there was less? This was about a year ago. Wow. Okay, this, this isn't long ago at all. No, no. And she knew right from the get-go that you were a diabetic, and did she have an issue from the get-go, or is this something that just came about after the four months? Oh, she told me she was, you know, okay with that. Um, she understood. She had people in her family that's a diabetic, and and uh, I really don't know. I, it, it was just that, that low blood sugar I had that she got all scared and freaked out and decided that, uh, she could not handle it. Wow. That's that's very disappointing when these things happen, when, you know, um, somebody makes a judgment call due to a health condition rather than who you are. Oh, exactly. You know, and it, it, I admire you. I have to tell you, Howie, for telling people from the get-go because, you know, um, we've talked about this. I've known you for a very long time, and... I really, especially in the late, let's say the last 15 years, embrace healthy eating, you know, um, growing my own vegetables when I've been able to, eating organic foods, really, you know, going not just about sugar, but going beyond that about what I'm actually putting in my body and mm-hmm. not just wearing the sugar hat, right? And I got to tell you, um, you know, as you know, I'm single and you're dating and um, I don't tell everybody from the get-go. I'm not saying that I haven't, but I don't do that because I have found that um, the first date, let's say, becomes more of a question and answer period and the whole date's taken up by them asking me about diabetes rather than asking about me and me being able to ask them about themselves. You know, they look at what I'm eating then and what I'm doing and there's some critiquing and it's not something that I want to deal with in the first date or two. I might not even date them again. So in my mind, and this is just the difference, right? I uh, I kind of go with the flow and when I'm comfortable and when the opportunity presents itself, that's when I share. Now, have and you- of course, everybody... Everyone has a different perspective of that, right? And you've never felt that. You're just out there from the get-go. Yeah, mostly because if I put it out on the table right away of my medical condition, you know, then then I'm going to know how the other person's going to react right away, whether it's going to become an issue or is an issue. For the person with me being a diabetic, um, and, and again, I mean, I I live like everybody else. I, I live a healthy lifestyle, and but you know, there are times where I do fall off the wagon, and you know, I'll have a low blood sugar, and and um, you know, I need to know that the other person, if the person is going to be with me and see me through a stage like that, is going to know how to respond to it and know, you know, if I need the help, how to help me. 
that's what it's all about. So in saying that, how is it that you um, ask for help? Like, so obviously you're asking them to support you during this time, which I understand. But well, I, well, I mean, like, if your blood sugar is really low, like in my case, if I'm having an insulin reaction or whatever you call it these days, um, that the other person understands, you know, what I'm going through and what I need to correct it. So, for example, I would just cut, you know, come straight out and say my sugar's low. I I need, I need like an orange juice or a, a can of Coke or Pepsi, whatever's available, to get my sugar up. Now, do you find that when your sugars get really low, um, you need that? Or what do you do when you're by yourself? So you're having a low now and you're by yourself and there's no one around. So how do you cope with it at that point? Well, I always make sure I have um, sugar with me. And at work? Because, I mean, you're an electrician. You must be up and down ladders. You're driving all the time. I mean, you're a busy guy. I, I, I'm, al- I'm always prepared. I, I always have with me just in case. It doesn't happen often. I, I try to make sure it doesn't happen, but, you know, there's the what-ifs. And if it does happen, I'm always prepared. I always have with me what I need in case my blood, my, my blood sugar starts dropping and I, I have what I need to get it up. See, that's fantastic. And, and what about coworkers? How, do you share with them? My coworkers know I'm a diabetic. I generally work alone, but my my coworkers in the office and that, um, other guys out on the road, they they know. So if there's other, you know, if, if there's if we're ever in a situation where, you know, I am working with somebody else, yeah, I, I make sure they know because I mean, it wouldn't be fair to them if I pass out in the middle of a job or something and they haven't got a clue where you know they can help me within two minutes. Oh, see, that's great. Now, when you say pass out, I have to ask you about that. In all honesty, I've maybe um, lost some consciousness um, five times in my 30-plus years, which is next to nothing, right? Um, Most of that surrounded pregnancy because I would have lows that came out of nowhere, and they were quite severe. Um, but for the most part, it's happened a couple of times other than my pregnancy. Is that more of an issue for you when your sugar go low when your sugars go low? I, re- I, I recall I, I went through the I, I would procrastinate if I I would I would feel my blood sugar is dropping. I, I would know. I would have it in my mind, okay, my sugar is dropping. But then I would procrastinate. I'd be whatever I'd be doing. Um, I would I would say to myself, okay, I'll take care of this in five minutes. I'll go get something to eat, get some sugar in me in five minutes. Um, five minutes passes, of course. Meanwhile, in that period of time, your blood sugar is continuously dropping, um, and then I'm doing it again. Okay, five more minutes, five more minutes. So there's been times where I procrastinated to the point where I have blacked out and I've woken up in an emergency room in the hospital not remembering anything wow now you obviously weren't alone at the time there was a couple times where I that has happened where I've been alone so who found you if you were alone and this happened that's terrifying 
Um, who found you? Who supported you during that I, time? I had a friend of mine. Um, this last time this happened was a few years ago, and a friend of mine had called me. We were supposed to go out for the day, and uh, person couldn't could not get a hold of me, but she knew I was home, and she came by, and she knew I was a diabetic because her husband's a diabetic, and she had this feeling that I. I was out. I, I was passed out somewhere in my house. So she called 911. Good thing she did. And she's right. Because I woke up. I woke up in the emergency room in the hospital. I, I, I had no idea how I got there. Wow. Now, after that experience, which has got to be scary, um, you live alone now. So is there mm-hmm. any kind of precaution you take now? I mean, it, you could have a low blood sugar at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're in bed, you're sleeping. Well, well, I, well again, yes, I, I, I can. But it's it goes back to that saying of due diligence. You know what you need to do where it doesn't happen. So in other words, you have to know your own body. Yes. And it's so true. Know your own, no, you, you need to know your own body, and you need to take precautions. You test your blood sugar before you go to bed to give you an idea of what you know where your sugar is at. Um, it's just due diligence. You, you know what you need to do, so you don't wake up in a in an emergency room in a hospital or or you know scare other people that are maybe around you. I remember when my my two daughters were young, my blood sugar dropped, and I was looking after them in the house, and they got scared, and they called their mother at work, and, you know, so she came home, and she got me out of my insulin reaction, and it was that going back to that due diligence again, I mean, she was very upset with me, and I understand for a very good reason, you know, uh, here I was, you know, being being a responsible father that I mean I should have been at the time and looking after my daughters, but I I decided to take a, a nap before dinner knowing damn well that I shouldn't have, that I, I should eat something before I laid down to have a little nap. But my blood sugar continued to drop and it wasn't fair to my, my girls that I scared them like that. Wow. But I, I, I knew better. I knew better. So, so it, it's it's embedded in my head now. I I I I do what I need to do out of due diligence, and I don't want to put anybody in a situation like that again around me where they get scared. Now, because it's preventable. It's preventable. Now, having said that, though, did you like were your daughters part of this? Did they know what to do? Did you? At what age did you tell them about, you know, having diabetes and if dad has a low blood sugar? Was that part of your lifestyle, sharing with the kids and, and having oh, them know about it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, my daughters knew that at two and four years old, my daughters. So they they do. But, I mean, I was at the point where they could not, they, they tried to wake me up and they, they couldn't get me up. They could not wake me up. That's how far my sugar had dropped. So how, what did you do to come out of that? Like, I know you said your wife came home, but without some kind of an injection of glucose, 
How could you even swallow if you were passed out? What happened? Well, because she had put a, a glucose liquid down my throat. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so you had stuff at home. You were prepared, though, if something had happened like this, an emergency. Yes. So at what age do you think your daughters, I mean, were they uncomfortable when they were younger? Did they have a lot of questions? Um, how did they take to all this? Well, they, they, they asked a lot of questions, they, you know, especially when I was given my insulin, you know, to be the old... Daddy, does that hurt? No, not at all. It doesn't hurt. Um, no, am I going to become a diabetic? Oh, probably not. You know, I'm not going to scare my kids uh, at that age. And, you know, when might be a good chance they, they might be later on in life. Who knows? The question that can't be answered. No, and the numbers so they, are they rising. Did yeah, they, they did. They, they, they did ask questions, so. That's, you know... When you look back, so, you know, all through the years and the changes in what we're given to manage diabetes, and it is a lot easier now than it was, you know, 40 years ago. What did success, like, what measurement did you go by with, how did you feel successful when you were younger? Because those are tough times. You must have been in and out of the hospital, helping with your management, getting your levels, I mean, um, I think in those days we relied on the doctors to tell us, you know, how much insulin, much more than we do now. Um, what did success feel like, or how did you measure success for yourself? Well, in those times? Well, 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 that's just it. Like you're right. Like that, you, yeah, we we counted on doctors, you know, years ago to tell us how much insulin we should take. How much insulin do we need to adjust if we're doing this or doing that? Um, and I'm finding now that a lot of <clears throat> a lot of the education with the endocrinologist ones that I've run into in the past few years, it's all textbook, 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 textbook. It, and I'm finding it doesn't always work for everybody. I know it doesn't work for me. I I know the way my body reacts to the dosage of insulin that I con compensate, that I take, um, I've learned through my body of, of, of how to regulate my insulin intake, if I need to decrease it or increase the dosage, um, where I can't, I, I don't count on an endocrinologist anymore to, you know, just come up with this figure out of his head that he's reading out of a book that they think is going to be right for my body because it just doesn't work for me. It might work for somebody else, but, you know, every diabetic is different. And that's the point of this. You know, we all may have diabetes, calling ourselves diabetics. So we have diabetes, but we're still human beings, individuals, and our bodies will react differently to things, including, yeah, and, and you know, low blood sugars can show up differently in um, different people. And yeah, and, and don't don't take me wrong. I'm not putting down endocrinologists. I mean, we do need them. They, you know, they're there for a reason. They're good doctors. Um, but I'm just saying that again, every diabetic, every person is different. And it's what works for you. 
right? It might not work for, you know, someone else, but it's what works for you. And, and that's what it comes down to. I think the big message is knowing your own body and by testing and, you know, uh, trying to keep yourself in balance through food, exercise. And again, the testing is so huge. You get very familiar on how your body is going to react to certain things. You know, when, like I said, when yeah. I work out, I might be, um, and of course the meters read in, you know, let's say 10 and in the big scheme of things, a doctor wouldn't be happy with me having a blood sugar of 10. But for me, if I'm low, too low, if I'm at eight and I go and exercise, I'm going to have a low. So I want to be 10 or nine when I work out, because when I finish working out, I'm 5.7. And I don't see that in any books or anything else, but I know that that is success for me and that I can start a workout. Somebody else may say, no way, Jose, you know, I've got to keep them low or my doctor says anything above nine, like, you know, your world's falling apart. I'm a bad diabetic and there's all this stuff going on, but you know, that's fine. But that's what works for me. And that's, you know, what makes me comfortable. It keeps me going to the gym because I'm not, you know, passing out or not that I do, but I'm not having lows all the time. And I'm comfortable with that and it works. Do you find little situations like that where, you know, although the education says, oh, don't go up to this number or don't do this, don't do that, that really maybe some of this stuff works for you. In, in other words, letting your sugar go a little higher and because you're working out. Well, yeah, but at the same time, too, you don't you don't want your blood sugars to be sky high, where you start hitting complications down the road with diabetes, with sugars being out of control. I'm I'm not getting it to that point, um, but I do feel like normal on was it the, the millimeters, um, the scale five to seven. Right. Yeah, that's what I was just speaking about. Um, right. Yeah, five to seven is like a normal blood sugar rate. Where if I'm five or five point five, I, I I don't I don't feel right. I, I feel low. I feel like my blood sugar is really low. Even though by the book, that's a perfect number. See, and that's it, right? So that's not a perfect number for you. No, but it's a perfect number for a doctor. So have you had any issues in discussing this with your doctor where they'll say, well, you know, like you said, buy the book or a nurse, buy the book. This is what you should be doing. And you think, well, wow, you know, this is not working for me. Do they listen and understand and talk to you about that? Or is that just something you keep to yourself and you don't share with them? I don't share with them any of that anymore because uh, I I just I've learned it just gets nowhere. I just waste my breath. And I think that can be a point when um, you know you get into a, a cycle where you're not communicating with the doctor high sugars or low sugars necessarily, because really um, they say one thing, but. And what you should be doing on a daily basis or in a said situation, but it's not working for you. And, right. you know, it's, let's face it, it's a daily challenge and it is a balancing act. It's like surfing, riding the wave, right? And, you know, everyone's got their own style and everyone has their own 
definition of success. Yeah, well, I'm saying, you know, but I'm also saying, too, I mean, if your blood sugars are running 12, 14, 18, I mean, that's not good. That's what I, those are the numbers I, I desperately try to stay away from, is when they're that high. So what is success? Oh, I, but I, 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 feel, I feel great when my sugars are like 8 and 9, or even 10. I feel, I, I feel great. And yet some endocrinologists, even family doctors, will say, wow, not happy with that. But yet that works for you. Is that like a safe zone where you feel a little bit better that you're not going to go too low too? Well, that's where, yeah, that, that's where I feel safe. But, but keep in mind too, I mean, you know that if your blood sugar is, is 11 or 12, I mean, and depending on the situation you're in and what you're doing, your blood sugar can drop within 15, 20 minutes really quick, depending on what you're doing. It's that slippery slide, right? It's the slide, yes. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. But I think, you know, that's where people really have to find their zone. And again, you know, making their mark by testing and how you react to food. Because I know um, some foods will have a bigger impact than other foods, on my sugar and it, it you know sure grapes are going to have an impact let's say across the board but some people might find it greater than other people i know one of the worst things for me is eating too much popcorn which sounds silly in a way you'd think maybe pasta or rice but actually popcorn seems to and this is through testing trial and error just you know me wanting to know why after I eat popcorn do I feel not so great and I really have to watch how much of it I eat you know it might be but isn't isn't popcorn a carbohydrate and carbohydrates raise your blood sugar of course but so is pasta so is rice but the popcorn I have to really pay attention to which I know sounds silly but you know um that's something I want to measure in my mind or really watch how much I'm eating versus uh, bread has, now mind you, I eat a dense bread, you know, has more fiber, but nevertheless, I find that popcorn for some reason is, um, is going to raise my blood sugar more so than other starches. And again, that's just me, May, for whatever reason, um, you know, and I've had this discussion with many and some of them say, well, yeah, it's, obviously it's going to raise your blood sugar. I mean, carbohydrates, that's what they do. But for me, I find it that much more so with popcorn. Do you find that with any certain food? Not that I know of offhand, but I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's probably many. But to name a few offhand, I can't name them offhand right now. There's probably just too many of them. <laughs> so now that you've said about your sugar levels and, and everything, when you, how do you define your success versus, let's say, your doctor? Does your doctor see it one way and you see it another? Yeah, you, you probably hit it right on. Yeah, you probably see it one way where I see it another. Um, and again, I, I don't have the education a doctor has, obviously, so... But again, it's my body I'm living in. My doctor's not living in my body, so. 
I'm, I'm ju- I just go day by day of how I feel or how I should feel. So in saying that, are there times when you know you've, you know, that's it, I'm, I'm off track, um, just total lack of motivation. How do you get yourself back on track? How do you motivate yourself to get back on track when you feel yourself kind of, you know, slide off a bit? That's when I kind of slap myself in the ass and say, smarten up and I get back on track. <laughs> As Colin said, <laughs> it, it's, it's that, that's a difficult question to answer, really. Um, yeah, because I'm sure we all, we all go through that stage where we, we kind of just, you know, let go for however long, two, three days, and, and your sugars are just out of control, and and you, you need that, that guiding step to, you know, kick yourself to get it in your brain that you, you got to get, you know, regulate your blood sugars, and or if not, I mean, it's just going to just do damage to your body. So in the mot- are you getting motivation from the way you feel? Like, geez, I don't want to feel this way anymore, so I'm going to do something about it. Well, that's just it. I, I don't like feeling like crap. I don't like feeling crappy. I, I, I like feeling good. You know, I, I don't like getting up and then feeling like I'm dragging my feet along the ground when I'm walking because I have no energy. Um, I think that's what motivates me to, you know, to regulate my sugars because I I don't like feeling like that. Well, I, you know, and that's, I say that would be a big motivation, but it's not everyone's motivation, oddly enough. And in that motivation, do you have, you know, do you have anybody that inspires you, like that you share with that can kind of, you know, get you on track? Besides the feeling, well, yes, well, well, yeah, yeah. There's, there's people in my life that do motivate me to, you know, that that kind of inspire me that way to want to, you know, do what I need to do to to feel good. So you do have a support system in that way that you're willing to share with. Sure. And has it helped? Like, do you go to them during these times? Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. If I, if, yeah, if, I, if I'm down or something, and you know, my blood sugars are just, yeah, I, I'll go to this certain individual and for support, and it, it, it helps me. Well, that... However, you know, but 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 at the same time too, you you have to you have to learn to. Love yourself. You, you can't, not that you can't, you don't want to have to rely on somebody to motivate you to do what you need to do to, to you know, be healthy. See, now that's the key word, to be healthy and in balance. You know, um, honestly, sometimes if you break it down, and, and I'm not sure how you feel about this, but when I really break it down and I think to myself, at any given meal, and I'm big on eating together as a family and, you know, and I make dinner and we sit down, it's very little difference between myself and the non-diabetics in my household. 
And you know, by the time I wash my hands, I dry them, I get my kit out, I test tops, we're talking 75 seconds, such a little amount of time that gives me so much knowledge in managing my diabetes. You know, and yeah, there's no time at all. And it really it is empowering because you know where you're at. There's no guessing games. There's no hiding. There's here I am, and this is what I need to do. And it can be that easy. We don't have to over complicate it. And it's really about living a healthy lifestyle. If they came up with a cure tomorrow, okay. So tomorrow, Howie, they wave a magic wand, and you and I don't have diabetes. We don't have to take insulin anymore. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to follow the diet where we have to worry about carbs. We don't have to test our blood sugars. How would your life change when it comes to going out and eating? I don't think it would change. And, and I why? I don't think it would. Why do you say that? I'm very curious. Because I, I've been accustomed to doing what I've been doing for about 45 years of being a diabetic. Um, probably because of that. I, I'm, I've just learned over all these years, I just do what I'm accustomed to doing. So I, I don't think it, it would change my life as, as far as you know what I would eat or how much I would eat. I, I don't think it would, it would change my effect on that in any way. See, and, and I think people have... Um... They they have a perception that um, oh a cure then you can go out and you know do eat all this cake or you're gonna go crazy or something with sugar and and that's just it no matter what we should all be taking care of ourselves eating healthy exercising that's all balance the difference between somebody without diabetes and with diabetes when it comes to your daily care is that we test our blood sugar. We have to be a little more mindful in the balance of our medication, exercise, and that's if we're on medication, but medication, exercise, and then, of course, our food, where if you don't have that concern, does that mean you're not going to eat healthy? You should be eating healthy. So, you know, really it's about, when you say it's about the complications that can arise? Yeah, and... Complications, you know, they honestly they do scare me. However, I think I can prevent them. But that's what I'm saying. So, in other words, the cure, and again, I'm just saying that because of lifestyle. The cure isn't about being able to eat whatever you want and and go crazy on sugar. It's really about complications and how do we keep that at bay until they find the cure is we take care of ourselves and you know whatever works for us whatever success what we think success looks like and what makes us feel good in managing our diabetes rather than you know get overwhelmed and complicate these things and being down on ourselves don't you find that when you've fallen off you can say to yourself okay i can't look back yesterday's gone but i can do something about today and tomorrow well, yeah, but you also need that motiva- the motivational push to be able to think that way. So is that something that you found that is a struggle from time to time? Sometimes. You know what? Some, yeah, sometimes 
depending on you know, and again, it's like any any situation. You know, a non-diabetic, a diabetic. Um, you know, uh, what's an example I can use here? Like a breakup in a relationship, for example. You know, we're going to have our downs. Regardless, if you're a diabetic or non-diabetic, um, so then you 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 go through that that grieving time, and, and that's you know, and then you get back on your feet and you start doing your healthy lifestyle again. But during that that grieving period, you know, that's when we can really get down on ourselves, and you know, you a lot of us seem to do the, the poor me, poor me, poor me. Um, instead of taking action and getting your, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, I, I've been through this in, in my life. Um, you know, there, there's been times where, you know, I, I wanted to give up. I, I just wanted to give up, but something always pushed me forward to, you know, wake up the next day. And what, do you, good. what do you mean by, um, I give up though. Did you feel that you weren't measuring up to success or it was hard to measure up to what success should look like? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. So once you realize that success is how, you know, it's in your terms, does it, does it make you feel better? It does. It makes you feel a lot better. So it's really about knowing your body and testing and know what works for you and understanding that success may look slightly different to everyone. Very true. Well, I couldn't agree more. I, like you said, you know, I know some, some people feel great at five, uh, a measurement of five. I know I'm right in line with you. Anything under five, I treat because I don't feel great about it. Um, you know, I've gone to uh, family doctors where, you know, they've said to me, really, I should be between five and six. And I think, wow, I would be in all kinds of trouble with low blood sugars if I wrote it that tight that, you know, it's okay to be seven or eight, depending, like we said, on what we do. So really especially the new diabetics, you know, you, your lifestyle, your whole world changes, your whole world changes, but yet it doesn't really have to change that much in that you're eating properly. Um, you know, you're exercising, keeping the body moving, balancing out your food and all these things in the big scheme of things. A lot of this is what we should be doing anyways. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we all should be doing that. And maybe not overwhelming ourselves so much and, and really obsessing on any one sugar level, understanding that this is a, a waiver riding. It's an ongoing thing and not every day is perfect. Not every blood sugar is perfect. No, because then, then it would be a perfect world. <laughs> and it's not. But you, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it can be it can be difficult at times, but at the same time, too, I mean, it can be very simple at times, too. So it's, it's how we choose to to go through this every day. I couldn't agree more.
Well, but how- I, I know, you know, I was, I was just going to add that, you know, I, I know there was a lot of times in my life where I, I did that. Why me? Why? You know, I, I never asked for this. I, why did I get this? Um, where now at the age I'm at, I've just accepted it. I've accepted what I have and, you know, how I, I need to live my life accordingly. And that's what I plan to do. Well, you know, Howie, you're in fantastic shape. So far, so good. Congratulations on your management. And I'm going to say that because I think we all need that pat on the back and be recognized for a job well done because, you know, it is challenging. Um, It is a balancing act. And, of course, not that, you know, as I said, we should all be eating healthy and exercising, but it shows up far more for us. And there's far more to balance with us with medication and so on. Um, so job well done. And I Thank hope you. you realize that and you do feel good about the success on your terms because, you know, I have to say I've not known you a long time and it's the overall that we look at, right? The bigger picture and you've done so very, very well. And, and really, I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Well, you deserve it. And I can't thank you enough for sharing today, um, you know, about successes and how it looks to you and that not every day has been a picnic. But, you know, you pull yourself up. You're going to slip down a little bit now and again. Even colds will affect our blood sugars. But we can't obsess on this. You know, we have to understand sure. some, you're, you're not well. Your sugar is going to ride a little off. But it's not the end of the world. We can get back up there on where we should be, ride that horse, and and everything can go along smoothly once again. And you hit it right on. It's not the end of the world. It's all good. It is all good. Well, thanks, Howie. Um, love to have you uh, talk again. You've got so much to share. 40-plus years. Amazing. But definitely. Well, that was a great call with Howie. You can email me at anita at anitacoach.ca with any questions, stories, um, any comments, any inquiries about coaching. And follow me on Twitter at Anita Westlake.